you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide for Google Ads, part quattro. <laughs> and today we're talking about proactive YouTube. Yeah, so Which, that's one of my favorite ones. That's 100% of our Google ad spend, isn't it? Outside of maybe remarketing. But we do YouTube remarketing, a little bit of brand to protect ourselves from people that want to be just as cool as us. And then just a little bit of display remarketing. But again, everything that we do to gather a new audience is 100% on YouTube. And we spend, what, 150 grand a month? Yeah, that's that, pretty crazy. That's a little scary to say. Oh month, my gosh. Like, I know. I remember years ago when we were like made $100,000 a month in like gross revenue. We're like, oh my God. And now we're spending that and ad spend more than that. It's surreal, but it shows the power of YouTube. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No joke. We spend a small house a month. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny as our YouTube subscribers now hit 20,000 people. And what's crazy about that is, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like I know, like you have people that have like, you know, two, three, four million, but like 20,000 is very humbling when you like Google a picture of 20,000 people, you see like a stadium filled with people and all of a sudden well, I dude, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get really nervous because you're like 20,000 people could be watching this right now. And then I get like all stage fright. Yeah. Madison Square Garden is a 20,000 seat <laughs> arena. We're playing in Madison Square Garden. Every day. All right. You ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to be talking about YouTube Proactive. And YouTube Proactive, I like it a lot and I hate it a lot. A few things I like about it. It has a very, very wide reach. You can get really cool with the type of targeting. It goes down even to the nitty gritty. Type of targeting may not be around forever, but what I do like about the type of targeting that we have is I can target based on what a person is doing, not who they are, which I think is a big issue with the difference between like Facebook and Google. Like a lot of people think like Google's inbound and it's bottom of the funnel. Facebook's outbound, it's top of the funnel. YouTube kind of flips Google upside down and it is YouTube top, middle, bottom of the funnel. It's proactive, outbound, top, middle, and bottom of the funnel. And I think it's the next TV, honestly. There's more video consumption on YouTube than any other social media platform. And now with streaming TV and connected TV, it's right behind that. So it is an extremely powerful network. And it's the only network you can track conversions when you're talking about this versus TV or a connected TV or streaming, whatever it may be. It's interesting about that, dude. I was talking to a friend who I won't name because it will be indicting, but we have a mutual acquaintance who has a TV show. Mm -hmm. And it's a TV show you would have heard of. It's a reality show. Something kind of like one of those fix up the houses shows, but for a different branch of the world. Here's what's crazy. It's like, oh, dude, that guy's at a TV show. He's made it is what I'm thinking in my mind. And then my buddy goes, guess how many views he gets? It's 10,000 an episode. Oh, wow. Half our YouTube Wow. Yeah, bro. TV like gets very little play nowadays. That doesn't count. However, does they repurpose the media online? Obviously, it's pure like television. Just TV, yeah. It's a popular show. I don't watch TV, and I've heard of it. You know, when you say YouTube's the next TV, maybe it's like many multiples what TV could ever be. It's just so expansive. It's super targeted too. It's like you can't go to the TV and be like, okay, there's seven people in this household. The two people that were really interested in mountain biking only show it to them. It's like, right. oh, you know. <laughs> that's not possible. It's like, if hopefully they're all at the same couch and they'll see that. But there's just so many like cool ways to reach people. So it's not some bad things. It's expensive. It is really expensive. Google recommends spending 15 times your average cost per acquisition per day for eight days before you should actually start to see optimizations take place. So it's expensive, but it's worthwhile as an investment. And when I say worthwhile investment, there's an X and Y uh, that I usually like to draw for clients. X is ad spend. That's your vertical. Y is time. And that's the length of time that you're going to be running your ads with everything will optimize in the same amount of activity. What I mean by that is if I spend a hundred dollars a day and let's say it's going to optimize over 10 weeks. Well, if I spend $200 a day and optimize over five weeks, or if I spend $300 a day, it optimizes over two and a half weeks. So the more you spend, the quicker it optimizes and it will optimize 
fairly same. We spend five grand a day, so I'll start to see conversions within a day for a new video. It's a stupid question, but hopefully maybe an obvious answer. The more niche you are in terms of your targeting, does that decrease the ad spend requirements or is YouTube just a batch and blast and you've got to spend into that threshold no matter what? What's interesting is it's not as much a niche. It's as soon as you find your target audience, Google can take it and run with it. We have some videos on our YouTube channel. I think one's called like, are you hurting your YouTube ads? And I've pulled up three examples where we spent anywhere between like 50,000 and 200,000, whatever it is. And you'll see like the first two to three weeks, just horrible. There's just like a little heartbeat of conversions and all of a sudden just it starts to take off. Partially of that, one of the reasons is because you need engaged view conversion and engaged view conversion means does someone watch the ad for longer than 10 seconds, not click on anything with inside the Google ads ecosystem, but still convert. I mean, they went directly organically through social, whatever it may be. And Google needs that in order to optimize. If you're just going to optimize on clicks, you can, but if you have every 10 viewers is a conversion, if one out of every 10 of those is a clicker, you're going to optimize over 10 times longer because Google needs that data. So that's why engaged view conversion came out is so Google can actually see some feedback initially and say, okay, we know these people are seeing it. We know they're converting. I had a person reach out to me on LinkedIn that says, hey, is it possible that Google didn't get any conversions on YouTube on my direct and my organic just keep going up and up and up? I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely it. That's exactly right. So that's why Murr is a thing. Media efficiency ratio, all cash in, all cash out. So it's expensive. It's hard to track conversions. It doesn't see all the conversions. You have to be really good marketer to run YouTube because you have to know where to look. That's an attribution video. That's a video for another day. Today, we're going to build one and we're going to build it my way. That's John's cool. way. Yeah. YouTube the John way. The only way. <laughs> exactly. Let's do it. All right. First thing, this is actually important. The sales or leads. You do not want to run anything else unless you're going to customize a very specific type of YouTube campaign. What I mean by that is if you create a campaign without a goal guidance and you're using video, then you get all these cool options. A custom video campaign, a target frequency campaign, which is going to go for at least four or five X as many or as many impressions per person as possible and non-skippable in stream. So a 15 seconds, those are the ones that really annoy people because it might be irrelevant and now you're stuck watching it for 15 seconds. I don't really like these too much. These don't self-optimize either. Drive conversions. This is my favorite one here. Ad sequence, really cool. Ad sequence is actually really cool. I haven't had great conversion data to support that it works well, but I think the, the benefits outweigh the costs. Ad sequence means you can actually put a video, like let's say one, two, and three in a sequence. It says, as soon as Cosm sees video one, then he sees video two. As soon as he sees video two, then he sees video three. So if you want to tell a brand story, or if you want to use it as a remarketing campaign to tell a story to a person, why it's good. Like we have a testimonial and then we have a sizzle reel and then we have another testimonial and then a discount. We do specific type of remarketing to a person. You can absolutely do that. And then audio, this one's new for 2023. This is actually allowing you to run YouTube ads to people who are listening to YouTube and not watching it. This is usually more app-based. So if they see that the app is closed down or if it's like a music video that just has like lyrics, these are actually ones that you can run a an audio only ad on YouTube, which is pretty cool. So now Google, not, not, not only is Google now the new TV, it's also the new radio, which is pretty cool. But what I would say is your most beneficial starting out either sales or leads. You're going to be stuck using maximized conversion bidding strategy, which is okay. The maximized conversion bidding strategy is what is going to allow this to optimize. And remember when I said engage view conversions, you'll see a engage view conversion window of 30 days. This is the maximum you can use. I use it always though, because you're going to see people that watch your ads and then convert versus click on your ads and then convert. The clicks you can track for 90 days, the engaged view you can track for 30 days. Use this, it will absolutely help optimize, optimize your campaigns 
So we're just going to use sales or actually, no, uh, yeah, let's use sales, whatever. We'll use sales for today. You can use a feed. That's the only difference between what I'm going to show you today, what I can't show you today. Literally the only difference is when you create an ad group and ad groups are just like everything else that you've seen, whether it's search or shopping, doesn't matter. An ad group, if you attach a feed, you can choose four or more items to be shown with your YouTube campaign. And you'll see a YouTube shopping campaign. YouTube shopping kind of looks like this. Like you'll see a video and then you'll have the products next to it or below it, depending upon if you're on mobile or desktop. It just depends on how you're viewing it, but you'll actually see the products along with the YouTube video if you attach a feed, but you have to have more than four products. So don't shoot a video and then just attach one product. We went through this with video remarketing, but I just wanted to share that with you in case you come into this video here in the series. I think it's video number four. Go back and watch video number two, I think, and that will share with you how YouTube remarketing and YouTube proactive, same thing when you're talking about feeds. But I'll just use sales for now and we're going to use video drive conversions. So this is the only thing you can use. It has to use maximized conversions. Now you can use maximized conversions and you can use a different variations of target CPA. So it works well. The maximized conversion video strategy or target CPA. This is the variable that you can change it to. Target row is not available because Google hates us, but maximized conversions and target CPA, it's good enough. Just take your average order value, divide it by two, and then bam, that's your target CPA. And I'll give you 200 ROAS divided by four. That's a 400% ROAS, whatever it may Any be. Any guesses as to why T ROAS isn't available? I think what happens so often on YouTube is that the person watching the video is going to buy something and it has less of a directional support as to if it is a larger purchase and not just a conversion. That throws me off as YouTube feels like max conversions versus max conversion value is a quality over quantity game. And yeah. YouTube feels like a quality over quantity play. So I almost feel like this would be better for YouTube. I was just curious as to whether or not you had a theory. Yeah, we might see this change in the future. I don't know why specifically you have target ROAS. I know target ROAS is actually a harder bidding strategy for Google to achieve because it says, hey, show a cold traffic audience a video, but don't do it unless you're going to know that they're going to make a purchase and a big one. And it's harder for it to say, <laughs> right? Or target CPA is like, if you don't think they're going to buy anything, don't show it to them. It's like, okay, you can kind of do a binary. Like this person's not interested. This person's interested. Target ROAS is this person's interested and they have a big bank account and they wanted to buy something now. I think it's a harder goal to achieve. We're just going to call this proactive YouTube for fun. Now, this part is the part that stinks. You cannot choose infrequently in or interested in. It is going to default to infrequently in and interested in and you cannot change it. Even after you create the campaign, it won't let you actually go in there and change it. Some things that I have seen people do is use a target or a campaign exclusion. So they'll hit one country and then exclude every other country. This way, people that are interested in, in the United States, but are in a different area, you can just exclude that. It's an old school tactic that was around a long time ago that you just target one area, exclude all the other ones. You're kind of like geo-sculpting that they have to be in that location. That's still viable today. Uh, hopefully Google gets rid of where you can actually target in and frequently in at least not interested in because it's YouTube and everyone has YouTube. It's a waste. Languages, this one here, again, choose the language that it's in because this is going to be be very important that your audience is speaking the same language because this is video. You're going to have text on screen. You have a person talking sometimes, a voiceover, whatever it may be. Language is important here. <clears throat> I actually like maximized conversions for this big strategy. I don't like TCPA. It restricts everything too much. So in our being an agency, you and I will give the clients like, hey, scale up. And then if you're on TCPA, you're like, no, <laughs> we can't. Maximized conversions allows you to throttle the budget to the result. And because Google loses and YouTube loses so much attribution, it's best just to kind of go with a kind of 
an over aggressive bidding strategy because you may get 10 conversions. It may only see two. It may think it's getting a bad TCPA, but that's okay. I mean, you know what's happening if you're a good marketer anyway. Throttle your daily ad spend or you can use a TCPA or just like a really ridiculous TCPA. Like if it's getting $500 conversions in Google, but you know it's getting 100 in reality, maybe set a TCPA for like 550. This way you just kind of cap it to your existing. Cool. Enter budget type of mouse daily. You can do campaign total for YouTube. I highly do not recommend that unless you're not really caring about any sort of long-term optimization and you just want to batch and blast like a sale. Black Friday, for example, fine. You're just going to use this as an awareness campaign. Totally cool. But this amount here needs to be what Google says and what I've actually seen to be fairly true. 15 times, they say more than 15. So 15 to 16, whatever you'd like to choose. 15 times your CPA. So what that would mean is if your campaigns are currently getting like a 26 hour CPA, like your cost per conversion is $26. Multiply that by 16, you got $416. This is per day. $416 times eight is $33.28. This is when Google says it has enough information to start to optimize. It's not optimized yet. This is like you pass the starting line at $3,300. You're still in last place though. It needs to optimize after that. So this is where it gets very expensive. Like if you're talking to, hey, I got $26 cost per acquisition, we're like, cool, we're gonna spend $500 a day. Like that's a scary proposition for a lot of companies. Dude, this is massively inaccessible for small businesses is what we're saying. Or it's massively accessible if you have a 10-year business that's not too profitable, but still got a good growth path. You can run $100 a day for a year. That's the bad part though, is you have to think about that time versus versus return. And if you can run it at the higher amount you can afford, Forward to lose initially, the faster it'll optimize in that time period. You kind of have a pick your poison. And we have some campaigns that we ran for six months that are all of a sudden starting to produce results. We set up a long time ago. I said, hey, I'm going to spend $100 a day out of like the four grand per month. I mean, out of like the four grand, four grand per month, we're going to spend about $100 of that per month. And you just kind of have a slow burn. And then as soon as it starts to see, you can kind of kick it up to like $200 a month and $500 a month. And it'll start to self-support itself. It just takes a while. And it's really dependent upon industry, how good your videos are and how in demand that product would be, or even your service, how in demand the service would be. There's really no barrier to entry, but either time or what you can afford, which sounds stupid, but you could spend $10 a day if you would like. It's just going to take a year. You gave Facebook two years to figure it out. So, <laughs> you know, who cares? Uh, <laughs> so I would just say, you know, choose a daily ad spend that's appropriate for what we just discussed right there. This part here, you're going to have to leave this. But again, just like our YouTube remarketing that we shot, if you use this, this is important, a negative placement exclusion. Not a topic exclusion, but it has to be a placement. So go into your exclusions and for a negative placement exclusion, use this here. Just add that, do it at the campaign level. And you will remove yourself from partners on the display network is banner ads, apps, kids games, all the junk. It just removes it all and it shows only on YouTube. So your videos will not show anywhere else but YouTube and YouTube optimizes the best. So that cuts your optimization time in half. It's amazing. You take more money out of Google's pocket. That's why they don't allow you to do this because it just says, hey, you know, we find that this is better. It's good for them, but bad for us. So use that tool. I don't really use content exclusions. It doesn't really matter to me. I focus on a person. I don't judge what that person's watching for me to actually get a hold of them. I know that has a difference of opinion with a lot of big brands. They say, we well, you know it's not that brand appropriate for me to be found on political websites. I don't care. I mean, I'm trying to sell toothpaste. <laughs> I don't really care where but that I think person is. Into, like people understand that now. They used to think like, oh my goodness, on Jon Stewart's channel, you must be a liberal. And it's like, no, I'm on Jon Stewart's channel because you're on Jon Stewart's channel. You know what I mean? Like, All right. 
the other part too that I think was funny is I thought that too until the last week at a sales call with a larger company. We're still going through it. But one of the things that kind of stuck out as a red flag that made me thought maybe I wasn't the right fit or we're not going to be the right fit. They said they don't like to do too much intrusive marketing. And in my opinion, I was like, well. All marketing is intrusive marketing. <laughs> one of the other part too is like, then you really can't judge the campaign based on ROAS or CP or anything at that point. Right. Like I need to get I'm just sales. I'm be here if you need me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just come knock if you'd like a call to action. Right. Exactly. It's like, we don't want to do YouTube remarketing too much. It's kind of against our brand. I said, well, I don't know how we're going to build a full funnel strategy then. That whole brand guideline conversation just infuriates me. Our logo yeah. must be shown this way in this context along these kinds. Like, no, yeah. you're stupid. But that's the part too, where it's like, I don't want to be so harsh and just be like, yeah, then this is not going to work. But it's almost like we have 17 people that add an item to the cart that are thinking about it right now. Like, what if we just show them like a testimonial? Like, that's not intrusive. They came to us. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's the part two. The brand, again, guidelines are secondary if you're going to be measuring it by sales. If you're like, hey, we just need to get the word out. Great. Absolutely. Easy peasy. But if we're going to say what happened with that campaign, it's going to say, I don't know. You know we got the word out. We did it. Tell you what happened in that campaign. You cut its <laughs> Achilles tendon and sent it off into the foot race. <laughs> It'll change over time, I think. It's still kind of old school Ivy League school marketer types that are still. I kind love of... those, dude. The Harvard grads. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's still embedded into some corporations still. Coming um, in, swinging their $400,000 degree at us. <laughs> yeah, right. You're so bitter. <laughs> We're old, people. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old and disgruntled now that we're getting angry at the old disgruntled universities. <laughs> Back in my day. Oh, I love it. Oh, you uh, have a degree. I have a hundred million dollars worth of proof. Which one do you think is better? <laughs> right? I know. That's, that's It's always funny. It's like, okay, cool. It's like everything is viable until the question is, how are we measuring it? Well, we're going to measure it on sales. Then I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> 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 then we do it my way. <laughs> right. Cool. So devices. This one I actually like because TV screens, again, I know TV screens are going to change. We talked about this in the video remarketing campaign, measuring off of engaged view conversions and tracking those conversions. This one is still the one that drags down a bit. Engaged view conversions in a TV screen is difficult and uh, click through conversions is fairly impossible. When you're talking about the connected TVs, it doesn't happen as often. So if you're focused on reach and long-term and longevity, and you're looking for overall myrrh and you're getting to get the word out and you're not really too crazy about like, gosh, I really need to make this money back within the first kind of six months, hit TV screens. You'll get a better chance without TV screens though. That's my opinion. That's what we've seen fairly frequently. I don't use any sort of frequency capping period at all. Well, the other part too is everyone knows a people that are just like, you know what? I keep seeing their ads and I bought one. You all have heard that person. You've been that person. But then everyone's like, no, no, no. I know exactly how long it's going to take to get Bob to buy every day. If you're going to overshow your ads to some people, okay, that's welcome to digital marketing. But I don't think that you would say that you're potentially arrogant enough to know exactly how many times a person needs to see an ad per day. It's like, oh, really? We have every situation imaginable. Like the person that's dealing with three screaming triplets and they're trying to get dinner ready and just got YouTube playing in the background. They're like, nope, she saw it twice. Did my job. No, like you're so far detached from reality that just let the algorithm do its job. Ad schedule, if it's lead generation, sometimes you may only want to run these kind of like maybe at 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Like when it's a little bit more business hour-y, e-commerce run 24-7 because it's going to target. shocks me to hear you say that just now. What's that? 
they, they would employ it now. I didn't mean for that to be as compelling. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Shame you. Like, you being the Google Ads <laughs> genius, I feel like you can afford a little shaming sometimes. Yeah. You think that in a lead generation context, there's actually a case to be made for ad schedule because YouTube is such an interrupter marketing facet that you want them to be able to reach out when you're available and accessible. Well, I think the other part too is with YouTube is going to spend no matter what. If it's one o'clock in the morning, it's spending money. Since lead generation is highly susceptible to lead quality, usually you're going to find the more aware business type people not at 1 a.m. in the morning. And if they do convert, sometimes they're maybe a little bit inebriated and they're not going to answer the call or maybe remember what happened. <laughs> if someone makes a drunk purchase at 2 a.m., great. As long as they don't bring more of those. <laughs> <laughs> As long as they don't refund, I'll take all of those I can get. But wait, there's more. Order again and we'll charge you twice. That's a great deal. So that's what that's what I like is YouTube, you're going to pay for it. So if you can have an audience that is lead generation, but is still digital enough, like we run our ads 24-7. We still get the people that are, they're well, entrepreneurs. A ton of after hours leads. <laughs> well, we get the grinding entrepreneurs that are figuring things right. out. That's how people find us. That, but if you're maybe like they're a deal. sad and alone at 2 a.m. being like, all right, just do right. it for me. Yeah. And or maybe you go to S. SOL8.com and <laughs> fill out your form for your free action plan. If you just want to talk to somebody, well, you can pay us to talk to you. That's good stuff. It, your mileage may vary. It's always up to like the individual. I have use cases that say it's good. I have use cases that say it's not. But lead generation, sometimes if you look at your ad schedule, per, you'll see that sometimes YouTube will just kind of spike up, then dip down, and then 6 a.m. ramps up again. Just see like over the course of like 30, 60 days, has anybody ever kind of purchased within that one or two hour of it when it spikes up at midnight? Because that's the day starts on your ad spend. So sometimes you can cut off, save yourself 10 to 20% of your ad spend by starting it at 5 a.m. instead of midnight. Cool. We're just going to do, we're going to skip third-party measurement because that's not going to be appropriate for this video. I'm just going to call it ad group one just for placeholders. Here's what I want to talk about though, is we'll spend a little bit of time on this the rest of the time video. And I think we have about 14 minutes left. Our audience, the audience is going to be the biggest, the biggest area that you're going to need to take your time on almost even more so than the video, is really work to develop a really solid audience. And I'm just going to say test for us. But custom segments, these here, for example, are going to be the things that Google will create for you or ones that you created yourself. For example, I'm using myshopify.com. This is still an audience that converts for me today. But my shop audience here, if you go to myshopify.com, this is still actually a domain that people go to after they log in. It's still an audience that people have. Uh, Google has 1500 million people. That's how many weekly impressions. This is when you go into myshopify.com, you're logging in to your Shopify store. Well, if I'm creating like how to calculate myrrh and how to run shopping ads on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. I want the people who are logging into their Shopify store because huge brands are on Shopify now too. I mean, hundred millions of dollars, million dollar companies are on Shopify. There's more people moving to Shopify than any other platform. So if you're logging in, I want to get to know you. I, well, I want to pay two pennies to get in front of you at least. That's my investment into that Shopify owner, two pennies. And I only pay if they don't skip me eight. So if you don't mind, John, will you show on a new segment exactly how it is that you built that specific yep. audience? Yep. And that's what I was actually going to be doing here. I just clicked the wrong button. So here's the new segment. This is how to do this. There's a disclaimer here. I don't think it's going to be around forever and I won't know when it stops working. Google will not just tell us. This audience will just change and we won't be able to tell. What I mean by that is the people who search for any of these terms, Google is now starting to double check things. So let's say you're a domain registrar and you're trying to get people who are interested in buying domains. Well, maybe the people that visit GoDaddy is going to be an audience that you're going to want to see. This still works right now. So what GoDaddy is, uh, the URL. Now, people who search for any of these terms on Google. Well, if I go to Google and I type in here, GoDaddy, that's the same URL. So the URL bar and the search bar are the same bar. So technically this URL up here, if I type in like cats, that's a search. 
So that's the same, that URL bar and your search bar is the same exact bar. So if I say, hey, people search for these terms on Google, I'm basically saying anybody that goes to GoDaddy, and it's like, oh yeah, we have an audience here that goes to GoDaddy. Excellent. Now, would I post a domain registrar YouTube ad to these people? Absolutely. People go to GoDaddy primarily to either log in, which is bad, but to buy domains, test that audience. And Google's optimization will find the people that go to that website that have been purchasing domains and it will start to get more and more conversions. So this is a really, really good way to get right in front of an audience of people that are going to websites right now. And actually, here's actually, no, stay out. I'll share with you the results afterwards. But these custom segments are great. The new segment here is people with these interest purchase intentions or people who search for these terms on Google. So the same thing that we just talked about, but only keywords. A lot of times you can take your inbound ad search campaign, copy those keywords, paste it into here. And now you have a very similar audience that you're attracting on YouTube. There's two things I want to mention though. If I say, just for example, Nike shoes, let's say we're a third party retailer and it says, Hey, okay, I want to have people who search for these terms on Google, Nike shoes. And I'm going fast here, but you can rewatch this. So I just want to make sure I get this the amount of time we have left, but Nike shoes, this is a good audience here works. Have parents, 25 to 44, male and female, good. Very, very solid audience. It looks right. This is people who have searched for any of these terms in Google. So they went to either Google and searched, or they went to YouTube and searched. If it's not on Google or on YouTube, it's going to read the website's information and then show the ad to people who have been on websites that feature words like Nike shoes. So you'll see only on campaigns running on Google properties, YouTube, Google search. On other campaigns, when you're talking about display, terms will be used as interest or purchase intentions. So if they type it in on Google, you'll see it. If they type it on YouTube, they'll see it. If it's off of the Google properties, you'll still be showing these as to people who have been visiting websites or they've been having a high amount of activity with this keyword in their browser. Any people with any of these interest or purchase intentions, I like it better than this one here because Nike shoes means Google has already identified a person right now, yesterday, that is looking to buy Nike shoes. So if you say, hey, can I just have all the people that are interested in buying Nike shoes? Perfect. Nailed it. Like you got that audience now. They're available. You just need to tap into it. Look at the prompts that it offers. Nike Air Sneakers Women's. Nike Air Sneakers Men's. Oh, Nike so many. And they're just endless. And you can just keep doing this. I'm not going to actually read these yet, but I mean, they just keep this right here. I mean, you want a trillion people? Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's not even that many people. It's just the amount of weekly impressions. So Google is vast. Your data, I don't use this at all. I don't. YouTube will target your people. Period. If you say, hey, previously interacted, if you type in all visitors, it is going to target them. Do make no mistake about it. You will show as to these audiences here. I don't use them. I'm looking for pure cold. I'll remarket my audience in a different campaign. I will not use that here at all. Interesting detail demographics. This one, if you're saying like Nike, it'll give you some suggestion like in market for Nike products, in market for custom shoes. Cool. A sneaker release is good. These people are also basketballs and running in sneakers. This one might be a little bit too vague because it might be looking at the designer sneakers. Do they have Jordans? Yeah, Jordan shoes. And what's funny is you can actually hover it over it and you'll see the search terms that people use. Jordan, New Jordans, Retro Jordans, Jordan sneakers, Michael Jordan shoes. They have Nike so, soccer cleats. Look how specific that is. Oh, it's getting so specific. People that are in the market, not an affinity audience, people that mm -hmm. are going to buy a Nike soccer cleats. Like, dear God. Yeah, that's what I love about YouTube is I can get 10 times the size of the audience where I search. It's like, did these people that I want also search to also pay $6 a click? Was I also at the top? Like, I'm just skipping everybody and going right to you. Mm -hmm. I'm invading your home before you start to go on search, which is really, really cool because I can target a person that Google has, he or she has had enough activity that Google says, oh, yep, they're on my radar. And I'm just tapping right into it. It's amazing. An excellent use of your time is to go learn the in-market and affinity audiences that are available for your industry. Yeah. And the difference between affinity, affinity, I like to call it a permanent fixture of your personality. 
in market is a temporary recent spike of activity. If I have a affinity for Nike shoes, I might work at Nike. I'm on it all the time. I'm researching all the time. Google has said like, man, this person, that's what they do. I might be a shoe designer. I may work at a shoe store. doesn't matter. Maybe not my market. I would say affinity be like basketball player or basketball. That mm-hmm. affinity, that person is constantly obsessing over basketball in a good way online. They read blogs, they watch YouTube videos. Yeah, it's a basketball coach or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that'd be affinity. Affinity is if this person has a high amount of activity, look at like topics that they're around. But if you're talking about products like Nike shoes, use in market. Affinity of a product doesn't really work that well. Test it, but usually it doesn't. Exclusions, again, you can exclude your people. I actually do not like to exclude website visitors. I know it sounds stupid, but these people are going to take multiple clicks before they convert. So if you exclude your website visitors, for example, it says once they click and then on your website, this campaign says, all right, done. I'm not marketing. It's actually kind of like frequency capping. It is. Oh, you get one frequency. (laughs) (laughs) Exclude your converters. Don't exclude your website visitors. Common mistake. And then demographics, I don't use this at all. I have a multiple use cases now that I'm missing like 70% of my conversions if I exclude the unknown. And we have a women's hair regrowth serum that is 95% conversions. I think it's like 19 out of the 20, 95% uh, were male category for the women's regrowth hair serum. Now, were they male? I don't know. It would almost make sense, actually. It's like, oh, I know somebody with this problem. Yeah. Can you click on additional demographics? Yep. Sorry, this is a print status of household income. Have you used household income? I have, but the problem though is nowadays, almost 60% or 70% of our market is in the unknowns all across the board. I had a conversation with Alric Heck and he said that household income for him is, I think he said number one target. For sure. Here's what Google will say is you have, I'll just use a quick example. This here is 40% of your market. This here is 60% of your market. Mm -hmm. If you exclude unknown and target the top 10 to 30, you will nail it. If you add a number, it goes super narrow, like okay. super duper, duper narrow. Gotcha. <laughs> My cat is Google still up. Your videos, really simple. We already have a bunch of videos on this. This is more of a want to talk about the targeting, the current settings. YouTube videos, time does not matter. Unless it's short, so you need to have it under 60 seconds. You need to only target mobile users and you need to have it uploaded as a vertical video and you need to have a shorts URL. Just follow those things. We have a YouTube video out there. It's called How to Run YouTube Shorts. Check that out. Time does not matter. The more ads you give it, the better Google will be at optimizing. Google's going to chip choose his favorite child and just skyrocket the aspen to the moon. And that's the one that's performing the best. So upload 5, 10, 15, 20, does not matter. Upload more than two and you will have the best chance of success. Google will just choose one that likes and pushes it. I do want to talk about that targeting here because no one is good at ad as, as good as video. I don't care what guru we talk to. No one's great at choosing the best YouTube video. I have an hour long video that got us a very, very, very large publicly traded client this last week. So <laughs> I don't know what that means the cost for conversion four thousand dollars oh yeah that's because google is just terrible at track conversion but this is also a very specific type of conversion that we're looking for i want to talk about the audiences though because i think that this is for us here for example our unknowns are fairly low and that's what's really interesting about us is our unknowns there isn't a lot of unknowns at all i do want to share one other one though i would say which is actually pretty interesting but i think we could do this here so age 102 unknown my best one is 75 now if i excluded this yeah my 55 age group might be the best but i missed out on initial 100 conversions gender if we look at the gender here for example the conversions here i would miss out on about 100 Now, I might only target male or female. That makes sense. Household income, unknown, has the most amount of value per conversion. And my parental status, I have nothing. It just won't give me any data. So that's the thing that's interesting is the best way to do this is target everything and then whittle down to what's working, what's not. If you exclude unknown, yeah, you can have a rock solid campaign, but did you miss doubling your conversions because you didn't include them? That's the thing too, is this company here is selling 
high school jackets. What age, gender, and household income would that be? You know, who knows? Is a kid buying it? The parent buying it? The kid needs to see it. The parent need to buy it. Doesn't matter. If it's unknown, is rocking and rolling. I don't care. I'm just going to let it fly. So that's why I think that it's really interesting is if you exclude it, yes, hyper-targeting may work great. My question would be, what if you included it? Did your CPA stay the same, lead quality stay the same, but did were you able to kind of you know increase your lead flow by 20 or 30%? And we're seeing unknown get bigger and bigger and bigger. So each passing quarter, unknown becomes a larger piece of the pie. The more that you don't include that, the smaller your audience gets. So that's my fear there. I know you got to rock. This is yeah. the ultimate guide to Google Ads part four. They're looking forward to in part five. Part five, I think we're going to run through a performance max. And we're going to talk about the differences between performance max and standard shopping and if it's right for your business. Yay. All right. We'll see you in part five. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at SOL8 dot com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com, sol, the number eight, dot com.